Welcome to Coworking with Iris, a podcast exploring stories and insights with the people behind the movement. This is episode one of season two of the Coworking with Iris podcast. I'm your host, Iris Cavanaugh. This week, I spoke with Dr. Jamie Orr, the co-founder of to- Cowork Tahoe and the Jelly Switch app, as well as a mother of two children. Jamie and her husband are Silicon Valley refugees who decided in 2014 to move to South Lake Tahoe to pursue their goals of living a values-based lifestyle. I connected with Jamie earlier this summer and really enjoyed her unique perspective on the movement as both a female entrepreneur, mother, and a scientist holding a doctorate in theoretical physics. Jamie and I spoke about building a co-working community as transplants to a remote vacation destination, the challenges she faced as a female entrepreneur and operator, and her newest endeavor, Jelly Switch, which allows operators to run their space from their smartphone. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Iris. Thank you for joining us today, and happy co-working day to you. Happy co-working day. <laughs> Yay! Well, let's start out with having you tell us your co-working story. Yeah, so I am the owner and operator of Cowork Tahoe. Um, it is in South Lake Tahoe, California, which is you know on the shores of beautiful Tahoe. It's this amazing little mountain community, and I've been up here for about five years. Uh, my husband and I ran away, quite literally ran away from Silicon Valley after realizing that our quality of life was really suffering from all of the commute traffic and the city grind. And we were getting out of the area as much as we possibly could and into the mountains. And so realized that in order to be really true to ourselves and the lifestyle that we wanted, that we should give living up in the mountains full time a shot. And when we landed, we wanted to get involved with the community as soon as possible and kind of figure out where we were going to make our mark and where we're, what we were going to do to help. And one of the ideas we had was to actually combine forces. We had very different backgrounds. Uh, I am a theoretical physicist by training. I was teaching um, at a community college. I was doing research in a lab and my husband was doing early stage startups and mostly in sales and business development. So we said, you know, what, what would happen if we worked together? What would that look like? And we looked a lot about how to support startups and small businesses. And the, the kind of natural progression from that was, hey, well, if we're going to do that in Tahoe, there needs to be a place, a home for those businesses. And, and that's how we discovered co-working and decided to, to begin that journey. Wow. <laughs> from theoretical physics to co-working. Yes. What a journey. <laughs> a pretty pretty twisty one. <laughs> oh, I love it. I really love it. Wow. So you're in a rural location. So how has building a co-working space in such a remote and rural location affected your growth and, and your business plan? Co-working didn't exist in South Lake Tahoe before we arrived. Um, most of the community didn't even know what it was. You know, again, this was over five years ago. So you know, a lot has changed in the industry since then. I feel like the, the world is, is starting to, to understand and, and realize that it exists, but five years ago still very much didn't. 
a lot of education needed to be done around the community. It also has a very, very small town feel. I mean, it is a small town. There's only about 20,000 people. That also actually was an advantage because it meant that it was easy for us to, to interact and speak with a lot of people really quickly, especially a lot of business leaders and community leaders. So I'd say it was, it was a little daunting in terms of whether or not we were gonna have enough growth to make a, a sustainable business out of it. But because we were able to get so connected and so deeply embedded in the community so quickly, uh, it, we had that support and the community really did rally behind our efforts and, and quickly came to understand that it was going to be about more than, than just what was going to go on in our four walls. Wonderful. <laughs> and did you find yourself pivoting at all from your original business plan or I know you mentioned some twisty turns. <laughs> I mean, the, the very original business idea was, was to open a business incubator. And so I had, I had actually met with uh, some people involved in the um, International Business Incubation Association when I was really, when we had first decided to move to Tahoe to talk about what kind of feasibility study I would need to do and, and if it needed to be a, a cluster-based incubator, you know, what would we be focusing on maybe environmental and sustainability startups? And again, because when we landed, we saw that there was no, there was no home for any of these businesses anyway, and that co-working was gonna be a good way to create a, a vibrant business hub and business center. Uh, that was definitely a shift. You know, I, I put down the plans for a really formal kind of academic incubation program and, and opened it up to very much the more general, everyone's welcome co-working idea instead. And looking back on that decision now, do you feel like you made the right decision there? <laughs> Absolutely. I think that, again, letting, letting the community grow on its own and dictate what it should become was, was much better than me trying to, to come in and, and create too rigid a boundary around what it should be. Uh, it, it's been a lot more fun, too, I think, because we've had so many different people contribute to what our community looks like and a much broader variety of businesses and professionals in the space than we would have had if it was a, a formal incubation program. Mm, that's beautiful and yes I love it and that is the wonderful thing about co-working and I think that state you know that really points to you being really a perfect person or a perfect team to be in co-working because when we recognize the value that you know building these businesses with our members brings um, rather than thinking we have to have it all perfect and then present it to our members um, you know, co-working is, is truly a co-creation. <laughs> 100%. Co all the way. <laughs> um, and so I, I, you, you answered this to a certain degree, but, you know, this is a question that I think a lot of um, people who are getting into the co-working business and who have just opened their co-working space and are kind of dealing with filling it, um, this is a question that they grapple with. So did you have community in place ahead of time before you opened your space? I know you were new in that area. Had, did, you, did you work by building, you know, through jellies and pop-up co-workings or how to pop up co-working or how did you go ahead and, and, you know, get your community started? Yeah, we did. We were completely new to town. And so nobody knew us, knew our backgrounds. They didn't have any trust in whether or not we could do what we said we were going to do. And so we, we had to hit the ground running and, and try to develop that community very, very quickly. 
we actually opened the doors to our, our very first location within four months of moving. And so we, we did work fast and primarily, again, through networking like crazy in this, this amazing little town, so through the Chamber of Commerce, through the, the city government, through there's a, an amazing regional young professionals group that has mixers all the time. We just talked to everybody and, and tried to figure out you know, if we were going to do this, you know, had anybody else talked about it? Uh, where should it go? What should it look like? And then we started throwing our own little meetups. We didn't do jellies per se, but but we did try to bribe people to at least show up with, you know, pizza and beer or you know, have like a, a brunch session at a coffee shop and, and just see who would come out of the woodwork and, and come on as our, our first members. And what kind of, like, if you had your top um, your top point or your top pointer for somebody who did have to open their co-working space without having built a community, what would be that top tip or that top pointer for them in, um, in sort of that, that <laughs> scramble, you know, to, to fill your seats in the beginning just to get some revenue coming in the door? So if you don't have a community, you have to go to it. So, and that, and that is what we did. We went to, you know, we put ourselves in the position where we were participating in the community that did exist, uh, at, like I said, outside our four walls. Mm -hmm. And by placing ourselves there and talking about what we were doing, we were then able to invite people in. So we were able to start hosting little events. You know, there was a photography meetup group that lost, lost to their location and so asked if they could start using our space. And that introduced, you know, 20 to 30 people that, didn't know we existed to, to the fact that we were here. We did a, we actually did a trail cleanup just because it was in our neighborhood and we are really avid in, in biking and cycling. And we ended up um, meeting the executive director of a local nonprofit and they wanted to move. And so they ended up becoming our first office tenant and all because we had met them through another community event. Yes, I love that. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, um, still on the topic of community and also looking at you being in this rural area, um, but yet South Lake Tahoe, if people don't know where that is, <laughs> is a major tourism zone in California. Um, so how was it difficult to build community in a tourism zone, you know, with, with people who live there part of the year and live elsewhere part of the year or just vacation there? And then of course the locals. We do suffer from some seasonality that I think is fairly unique to most co-working companies. There is the, the, the typical ski season, and then we have spring and fall, which, which taper off, and then we have a very busy summer tourism season. And so one of the things that we didn't entirely anticipate was that even though we're catering mainly to, to full-time residents, that we would see some ebb and flow in our membership numbers as a result of the, the tourism traffic. It, it has been amazing to actually see how many people are working from home. Tahoe is one of those places that you fall in love with and a lot of people keep coming back or they'll come once and they never leave. And we're, we are seeing that more and more. And as more folks are able to work uh, distributed and, and away from their companies, uh, more of them are able to opt like we did to, to move here full time and, and raise their families here. And, and it's great to see that we're enabling that. Uh, what's nice about the tourism traffic, though, is we also get a lot of people coming through 
that are visiting and maybe they're here for a week with their families, but they do have one or two days of work that they, they have to put in in order to have that vacation. And we get to expose them to the fact that there is a professional network up here and you actually could move here full time if you want to take that leap. And so what percentage of your business comes from regular members, your, your, you know, your people who live there year round, the locals, and what percentages drop in from recreational tourism? It's probably at about 90-10 right now. So 90% is, is our full time or at least the you know, majority of the time that are you know, six months or more of the year up here. And then we do get the 10% the of day passes or people that are visiting and, and come here for maybe a week or two at a time and they'll, they'll pop in for a day and get to know all of us. Cool. <laughs> all right. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit because um, you are a member of Women Who Co-Work and you are a female entrepreneur. And um, this being the third anniversary of Women Who Co-Work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, you know, my passion in, you know, has really transitioned i mean i'm i still have all my passions and i <laughs> there's many of them but i've really transitioned um to my focus and where i want to be working is with the female entrepreneurs of the movement in the past three years since laura and i you know started this um venture together and so i want to talk to you about what it's like to you know run a co-working space as a female and just in general your journey as a female entrepreneur a little bit so as a female entrepreneur, you do have unique challenges. And I'm curious, do you feel that co-working has leveled that playing field at all? Or do you feel like those challenges as a woman in business exist in co-working as well? I think it's leveled it a little bit, but I think there are still some, some very serious challenges. You know, if, if I'm comparing it to, to physics or, <laughs> or to tech entrepreneurship, then it's, it's a much better environment for women. Uh, especially to be leaders of this industry, which you know, which there are a lot of amazing women like yourself that that are running and leading and pushing forward this, this great movement. But it is it is still business, and um, you know I run this business with my husband and actually one other married couple, and we do see differences if, if I'm presenting at an event versus my husband. The types of questions that he gets answered are very different than the ones that I I, uh, I get asked and answer. A lot of times it'll be, I'm uh, presented with suggestions and tips on how to better run my business, whereas he is asked for advice himself. Um, and so that's always interesting. Oh my God. Um, quite, quite frequently, uh, pe people will, will come up and introduce themselves to him and, and call him Dr. Orr. And then he has to kind of laugh and point to me and saying, no, that's, that's her. <laughs> so it's, there, there's been, you know, and it, it's a lot of it is the small things. And, you know, a lot of us as female entrepreneurs talk about the thousand tiny pets and those are still very much prevalent. So there's not, you know, one thing I can point to where I was heavily discriminated against or, or held back because I was a woman, but there's a lot of little things. And I, I do think it's getting better. And I think that the more of us that there are and the more people see women in leadership positions in any industry, the, the better it's going to get. Yeah. I'm curious if you, um, if you would want to share any of those thousand cuts and you don't need to, I mean, I'm, I've lived them as well. Um, but what I, the reason that I ask is that, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm thinking how, 
we have an opportunity in this industry to continue to push um, the, the envelope on, on female entrepreneurship and, and equalizing the playing field for everybody together. Um, and the more examples, the more ways that we can show people the side-by-side -side comparison of what it's like for a woman to run a business and what it's like for a man. So for instance, the example that you just gave of you know, your husband being asked a totally different set of questions that you are and you in fact receiving advice on how to better run your business when those people have no idea how to run your business. You are that expert. Um, and yet they feel for whatever reason that they have license to tell you without your requesting that how to better run your business. So, you know, if you if you feel like sharing, um, I'd be interested to hear any of those other little tiny cuts. <laughs> sure, sure. We did. We did have one, uh, which was a, a, a vendor that we were working with just to, to run our space. And, you know, like we, we all have a, a laundry list of those. Mm -hmm. And I had asked a question regarding a billing plan. And it involved some very simple calculations that I was just looking for clarification on. And the response I got back from their customer service was that I should check my math. <laughs> and uh, then when my husband asked, they got a very clean, clear, he, you know, he, he got a very clean and clear answer back instead of a, a challenge to <laughs> math. And uh, as a reminder, theoretical physics background. A little bit of math in there, right? <laughs> I, I consider myself to be okay at math. So it was, it was a very, it was just, again, it was one of those things where it wasn't a big deal, but uh, the fact that we, you know, I didn't get the answer I wanted right away and I got instead a challenge to the question, whereas when my husband asked, it was answered right away, right away and with, with clarity and, and no challenge was, was frustrating. Yeah, I mean, to have your intelligence questioned at that moment when you are the paying customer, yeah. <laughs> that can that could definitely be challenging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you don't need that emotional, you know, you don't need that emotional baggage when you're running your business. You need to just be yeah. able to like make the decisions you need to make based on the facts rather than based on that emotional baggage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. Well, so you've been doing this long enough, five years. I mean, that would be a veteran operator at this point. <laughs> right. You've seen a lot. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any tips for women who are just getting started today in co-working? I think it's incredibly important to assemble your team and to make sure that, you know, as soon as you make a decision that this is the direction you want to go in, to leverage the resources in the industry that have only grown exponentially in, in the five years since since I opened. You know, there's there's the Women Who Cowork group, there's Juicy, there's GWA, there's all of these amazing associations and tribes that are are really welcoming and quick to give and provide resources. It's been something that has been absolutely amazing about this industry that I think is is also fairly unique. Is just that the level and belief in community at the industry and leadership level is so high compared to so many other businesses I've interacted with that it's, you need to take advantage of it because there's so much you don't know that you don't know when going in, but a lot of us can, can very quickly provide some of those answers and make sure that, that the path to success isn't quite so steep. Yeah, I often think of how blessed people who are just getting started now are because 
there are so many resources. I mean, you know, having started 11 years ago, there was, we were literally building the ship as we were flying it, you know, and there was, there was nothing. I mean, we, and we had no idea what we were doing. And oh my God, we made a thousand mistakes, just big ones, $20,000 mistakes, you know? Um, And it's just, I, I find it really heartening that there are all of those resources for operators and for people who are we're co-working curious, I guess you could call them. Um, And I also just love our people. I love how collaborative we are. I love that we're willing to share all of our ideas with each other, you know, and we're willing to take the new kid on the block under our wing and say, hey, yeah, I gotcha. You know, do your own research. Don't ask me every single question because we (laughs) can tell you, but I gotcha too, you know. Um, Wonderful. So what's next for you? (laughs) So this past year, I've actually been working on my my next kind of co-working adventure, and that is Jelly Switch. So it's a uh, it's it's a tech platform for co-working and flexible office space in general. So I am looking forward to really broadening my reach and and helping the industry even more by providing this amazing mobile first platform for members and and managers of, of working spaces, and been completely heads down on that for uh, really since January. And it's been a really exciting adventure being in a tech startup and kind of being back in that, that space that I, I kind of put beside, you know, put aside while I've been building this community and this amazing Cowork Tahoe uh, business. But so yeah, keep an eye out for that. We're, we're moving fast. Wow. So I, um, I have a couple of follow-up questions. Sure. <laughs> so I, you find it interesting that you are referring to it as a tech platform rather than um, space management software or co-working software. What is, is that a, is that a, um, a, a choice that you're making in that language shift or, you know, do you feel that what you're offering, what you're going to be offering is so different from what's currently out there? Is there anything to that, or am I just reading into that too much? <laughs> I think a little bit of both. So, I mean, officially, it is it's a it's an integrated workplace management platform. But I also um, just having come out of the physics world, I try to be very careful about about industry jargon, mm-hmm. and so I feel like tech platforms a little more more general. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we're going to be looking at the, the broadest reach we can have with the most impact we can we can have. So, you know, starting out with co-working spaces and learning as much as we can to make sure that we're serving not only ourselves at Cowork Tahoe, but, you know, the other spaces that are, uh, we're, we're honored to have using it, uh, but it, it is, it's a workplace management platform. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a huge, I mean, what you just said, that's a huge challenge, being able to meet the needs of the diverse <laughs> model population of co-working spaces. You know, I often yeah. joke if there's, you know, 19,000 co-working spaces in the world, there's 18,000 business models to meet the needs of for vendors. <laughs> yes. So how, how are you doing that? How are you, you know, you, you have your experience of co-working and I'm guessing that that's how you built, that's how you framed sort of the framework upon which you built your software. Mm-hmm. So then how are you, um, shifting what you understand about co-working to to take in you know the experiences of the your potential customer base in order to build a platform that is more agnostic to models so 
you know, a lot of that is just talking to as many people as possible and as, as many operators, as many real estate professionals, as many members and users of co-working spaces, and really figuring out what a lot of those common threads are. And so one of the, the common threads we're focusing on is, you know, what, what is the, the main thing that we all care about in this industry? And it's our members. Mm-hmm. And so what do they need? And, you know, they actually need pretty simple things. They need to be able to come in, get set up, get coffee, and get to work. And so, and getting to work can involve making sure they can get a, you know, have a space for a phone call or a video conference, or making sure they can get uh, a notification to a staff member quickly if there's an issue so that it's not too much of a distraction. Mm-hmm. And so, so that experience is actually pretty simple. And so really making sure that we stay true to that and then, on the back end for co-working operators and for managers and you know facilities managers of buildings, there's a bazillion things that need to be done. <laughs> and like you said, there's probably 18,000 different business models. But really again, honing on in on, on what are the, the table stakes? You know, what what really do we need to support our, our core business functions in order to make sure that we are making really good decisions about our business, whether it's uh, moving desks around or making sure we have different meeting rooms or better temperature controls, you know, those, those types of community physical space questions, uh, but also making sure that we can do it quickly, capture the data quickly, and, and manage everything in a really smooth and intuitive way. You know, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of software can very quickly become very daunting and very technologically heavy, especially for people that, that have backgrounds that are not heavy on tech. Right. <laughs> and, and I want I want to make sure that that we are providing something really useful for everyone to use. You really can kind of see everything that's going on in your business. And so there's more and more platforms out there being built. I mean, the market is getting, you know, increasingly crowded. Yeah. And um, I see you know, I'll just be completely honest. <laughs> I see a lot of really badly designed software out there. I see a lot of um, just, there's so much work just to manage your members and or just to manage, you know, the, the one piece of data that you need to manage and you need to drop into seven different points to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find, so my, my background was in project management and I always said, I don't like project management software that takes more time to manage the software than it does for me to manage the project. If, if it comes to that, just give me a stack of sticky notes and I'm going to put it up on a wall. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so what would you say is the one differentiator for you in Jelly Switch and why would you recommend that somebody look at what you guys are building as opposed to some of the others that are out there? So we're, we're taking a really good look at the entire member life cycle. So it, it really is from very much from a, a project management standpoint, I'd say. And, and we look at, we, I, I guess you could say that we're almost looking at members or users a little bit like projects, because in a lot of ways they are, and we need to take care of them uh, so that they can get their work done. And so we're looking at, you know, again, what are the key data points across that member life cycle that need to be tracked? And, you know, where, where do those data points need to go? And, and do that automatically so that you, you aren't having to drop them into seven different things at a time. And so as we continue to build out the product, it's again, making sure that there's a, a really good view on all of that data. And the reason we're doing mobile first is, you know, I don't know about every operator, but 
I can't sit in the front lobby the entire day, every day, all the time. We don't have a reception area. Uh, a lot of times my members need me. A lot of times I'm cleaning up some random spill in a conference room and I'm running all over this 13,000 square foot building. And sometimes I'm honestly, I'm on a chairlift because I'm enjoying skiing because that's why I'm in <laughs> And so I like, the, I, I like the ability at least to manage everything from my phone and, and to do it in a really quick and fast way. So even if, even if it is something that I have to handle, uh, I can do it very quickly. Oh my God, I'm seeing some amazing marketing materials coming out of that last, that last piece. Just Jamie, Jamie on a chairlift, manage your members from your, <laughs> while you're surfing, while, while you're skiing. That's amazing. I've done it. <laughs> Great. And so if people want to find out more about Jelly Switch and maybe get in touch with you to get a demo, how would they do that? So they can go right to jellyswitch.com or you can email me directly, jamie at jellyswitch.com. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I guess my last question for you is, uh -huh. what made you decide to go with jelly as opposed to co-working? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those of us inside the industry know what jelly means, but the rest of the world <laughs> is going to have no relation to that. It's, it is definitely a, a kind of an Easter egg nod to mm -hmm. the early days of co-working and the co-working jellies that existed. We wanted something that we could have a lot of fun with in terms of a name that was memorable, that, that is sticky in a way. Uh, there's, there's some kind of fun things with, with jelly and switch that you can play with. Uh, but, but really, like I said, it's, it's just fun. And when you're trying to figure out a company, when you, when you don't even have a, have a company or have the product built yet, um, it was just a fun creative process and it, it felt right. And yes, we are gonna have a lot of fun with that branding for sure. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I, I, I love the, the brand itself. And um, yeah, and I love that you're starting on a mobile platform. I think that's really brilliant. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. So this is what a co-working platform looks like when it's built by a theoretical physicist. <laughs> instead of somebody like me, who's the people person <laughs> in terms of layers of chocolate. That was when we first built our software back at Next Space Days. We thought of it in terms of layers of chocolate mousse. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jamie, it was really a pleasure talking with you today. And I am really excited to see what you, what you do next with Jelly Switch and um, just continuing to support you through Women Who Co-Work. And um, I appreciate your time today coming on the podcast. Well, Iris, I appreciate everything you do so much. So thank you, thank you for thank having you so me. Much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for listening today. If you want to get in touch, reach out to me at iris at iriscavanaugh.com. And if you like this episode, please let me know. And don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes so others can find it too.